Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. All right, so we're going to get right into the service today. This month, our focus has been on strengthening families. How many know that God loves families? God loves families. God wants to see families strengthened in this time. And the title of my series this month is, Is Your Social Bubble in Trouble? And that's a question. Is your social bubble in trouble? We want to do a little recap from last week, so for those who missed it, um, I want to talk about what it means to be social. To be social means you're relating to, devoted to, friendly companionship. Okay? So friendly companionship, being devoted to someone in a relationship with someone, that means you're being social. You know, God has designed us to be social beings. So even if you say, I'm an introvert, I really don't need much social interaction, you might not need much, but you do need some. Amen? We all are designed for social interaction. The word bubble, it it relates to a good or fortunate situation that is isolated from reality. A good or fortunate situation that is isolated from reality. And we know we're in a season and a time right now where, where there's uncertainty. We don't know where things lie in the future. Uh, there's some fear. There's some anxiety. How many know we need to be isolated in relationship with God and with people so that we can go through this season? How many would agree with that? All right? So it's not a time to, to, to be isolated. Uh, it's a time to be connected with people. All right? In Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, it says, Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father. Otherwise, I will come and strike the earth with a curse. And we mentioned this last week. We talked about the fact that God is so interested in relationship. Everything everything is dependent on relationship. If that relationship is not there, curses come. There has to be healthy relationships, and God wants the hearts between the parents and the children to be restored. God wants the hearts between the churches to be restored. God wants hearts and marriages to be turned to one another. So God is in the business of restoring relationship, all right? And so I want to, I talked about last week the two social bubbles. Do you guys remember what they are? The two social bubbles that we need to be focused on strengthening is first our social bubble with God. How many know that our relationship with God is so important? The Bible says that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Then you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I have learned this. If, if you spend time with God in prayer, if you read the Scripture, and God begins to, and you begin to realize how much God loves you, how much He cares for you, you begin to like yourself. How many know a lot of people don't like themselves, Right? You begin to like yourself, you begin to love yourself, and then you can overflow and give it away. So everything starts with our relationship with God. We need to make sure that our social bubble with God, our companionship with God is strong, all right? Last week, we talked about two kings. We talked about about King Saul, and then we talked about King David. Now, King Saul was one who was anointed. He was appointed to be the king, but he didn't take time to build relationship with God. David, on the other hand, was anointed king, and the scripture says he, has a man, he was a man after God's own heart. So what David did, David would get away and he would play his harp, and he would worship the Lord. He would wait on God, right? 
and then he would, he, would, he would worship. He would wait, and he would wash himself with the Scripture. He would read through the Torah. And so what happened was he strengthened himself as he spent time with God. So last week we talked about three W's to build that you need in order to build companionship. Do you guys remember what they are? The first one, waiting. So we need to, to learn to wait on God. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you're waiting for God because he's always with us, but you're waiting on him. It's like when you're waiting for the bus to show up. You know, you know the bus is coming, and if it's raining out and snowing, you're hoping it doesn't, but you know the bus is coming, right? So you're waiting for it to show up. It's an act of faith, and, and when we pray and we believe God, it's an act of faith. We're waiting for God to give us direction. We're waiting for God to speak to us in faith, knowing that he is showing up. And you know, the thing is, it's on his timetable, right? But we believe he's coming, and it's an act of faith. How many know we have to have times of waiting on God? There has to be time in your life where you're just silent, and you just shut out the world. And you say, okay, God, I need you to speak to me. And we have to learn to wait on God. The second thing we need to learn to do is wash with the word. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says, don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world. But let God transform you. Who transforms you? God. How does he do it? He turns you into a new person by changing the way you think. Okay? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we renew our mind with the word of God. When you read this book and you read the New Testament, you begin to see, hey, God loves you. God has a plan for you. God has saved you. God has redeemed you. You begin to see the heart of God for you, and you change your stinking thinking. How many know sometimes we need, a, we need some brainwashing, right? We need to wash our brains from the garbage we grew up with. Oxymoron there. So God wants us to, he wants us to wait on him. He wants us to wash with the word. And then thirdly, he wants us to worship. And when you worship God in that time in the secret place, what happens is you begin to build an atmosphere around you, which is called the presence of God. The Bible says God is always with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. But unless you spend time with him, you're not aware that he's with you, if that makes sense. You, there has to be that time of learning to discern his presence with you, the atmosphere that God has when, he, when you begin to talk and have relationship with him. I talked about the presence of God last week, and so when you wait, when you wash, and when you worship, there's something that happens. You're in fellowship with God. The presence of God comes. What does the presence of God produce? Last week we talked about it. It produces rest. It produces joy. And it produces refreshing. And so if you're at a place in your life where you feel like, I, I, I just, I'm just tired all the time. I don't have any joy. Uh, you know, I don't have any rest then you probably need to work on your social bubble with God. You have to have time to talk to God. See, God wants to hear you. God wants you to pray. God wants you to meditate on Him. And when you do that, you'll find refreshing. Does that make sense? And so there's one more thing that, uh, that it will produce in your life, and I want to talk to you about this this morning, and it is courage. You know, the presence of God will produce courage in your life. And... Um, when we talked about David last week, I want to just uh, summarize here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 3 to 5. Now, there was a giant problem facing the people of Israel, okay, pun intended. There was a giant problem facing the people of Israel. 
And, and David was a man who had the courage to face the giant for the people of Israel. And I want to talk about that today because I think it's so important. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 3 to 4, if you go with me there on the screen, it says, And the Philistines stood on a mountain, one on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. I want you to take note of that. Say, there's a mountain on one side, but then you're on a mountain on this side, and between you and the mountain God wants you to take, there's a valley. Every one of us have a valley that we have to go through to get to the place God wants us. You have a valley, I have a valley. And that valley, if we don't go through the valley of the shadow of death, we can't get to the place God wants us to go. And David says here, it's very interesting, it says, the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, the Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them, and a champion went out from the camp of Philistines, named Goliath, from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, six cubits and a span, if you do the translation from the Hebrew measurement, it is nine feet, nine inches tall. Okay? Now, when we when we look at we look at history, the tallest known man in, in, in modern history was his name was Robert Wadlow. You've probably seen pictures of the guy. He lived in the 1940s. Um, he he was eight foot eleven. Yeah, eight foot eleven. So what happened was he, what ha- eight foot eleven. So add add ten inches to that, right? And you got the height of Goliath. Now Robert Wadlow, he he had uh, he had a pituitary gland. Uh, uh, growth hormones issue where there was too much growth hormone. Goliath didn't have this issue. He was a warrior. He was built. The Bible says there were giants in the earth in those days. They found skeletons. There's a whole, there's all kinds of documentaries you can watch on these giant skeletons they found. There were giants in the earth. He was a giant. So, so all of Israel was terrified of this guy, and rightfully so. They said his spear, the top of his spear weighed 18, uh, 15 to 18 pounds. Most people, when they work out, they, they, the barbell starts about 18 pounds. Put that on the end of a 10-foot spear, and if you throw it at someone, they're going to move. <laughs> and this is what this guy came out. His armor weighed 126 pounds. This was a giant of a man. He was a warrior, and he was standing. And look what he says here. He came up, and he stood before the people of God. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 8 to 11. We're going to move forward to verse 8. And when he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out uh, You come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us, the Philistine said. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words, say, heard these words, of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Listen, your giant is something that causes you fear when you think about facing it. And, and when, you're, when you think about facing a problem in front of you, if there's fear that rises up and you're like, I just can't do that, that's a giant that you're supposed to be facing. And so all of Israel, when they heard the words of the giant or the words of the problem they were facing, they were fearful. Some of us listen to the voices of the problems around us, and we allow fear into our life. 
And then we go down here. We're going to look at what happens here. I'm going to summarize verse 12 to 22. There was three oldest sons of Jesse. They were in Saul's army on the battle lines. David was the youngest. He would occasionally go back from serving Saul to take care of his father's sheep. Now, do you guys remember last week, David was brought in, and he would play his electric guitar. It was a harp. And he would play it, and the distressing spirit would lift off Saul every time David worshipped. How many remember that? So Saul knew this, this kid had God with him because when he worshipped, the presence of God, the atmosphere of God would come. And so David was, you know, back with his father. His father said, I want you to bring some cheese to the army. I want you to bring some food to your brothers. So David said, okay, I'll do it. So he brought it to the front lines. He, he left it with people at the post, you know, for the food and care. And then he went to the front lines to talk to his brothers. And this is where we're going we're gonna to carry on. He's going to talk to his brothers. 1 Samuel 17, verse 23. We go up to verse 23. Okay. And as they talked with him, and as he talked with him, so David's talking with the brothers, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. He basically said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm here to defy you and send a man. So he was sharing all that stuff. And David heard the words. And then, look, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, say, saw the man. They fled because they were dreadfully afraid. So if you listen to your problem, you're going to be greatly afraid. If you start looking at your problem, you're going to be dreadfully afraid. You can't look at your problem. You've got to look at God. And so all the people were afraid, and they ran away. All right? And then what happens here in verse the men of Israel said, this is in verse uh, 25, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches. He will give him his daughter, give his father's house exemption from the taxes in Israel. So David overhears this, and three times he asks, Hey, what's in it for the guy who takes out this guy? I get a wife, a princess, no taxes, and free land? I mean, this is awesome. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And this courage comes up in his heart. Everybody else is afraid, but David has this courage. Verse 17, chapter 17, verse 28. How many here have older siblings? Anybody? I'm the oldest sibling, so I am this person I'm about to read about. I've done this, Okay. So David's oldest sibling here. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and his anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You know what? Courage will sometimes be mistaken as pride. When, God, when you know the presence of God and you have a relationship with God, there's a courage that rises up within you. And others might say, oh, you just have pride. You're just flexing your spiritual muscles. No, no, no. It literally can. Sometimes it can be pride. You have to discern that. But often it's because you've spent time waiting on God. You've spent time washing with his word. You've spent time in his presence. And you just have a courage that comes from God. It's not even your own strength. How many hear what I'm saying? Okay. And so sometimes courage will be mistaken for his pride. Now let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 46. 
I'll give you the quickest summary I can here. And he says here, oh, now we're going to go to verse 36. So Saul says to David, you know, you can't take out this giant. And David says, no, 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 I can because the presence of God is with me. Now, now Saul knew because he, he saw how when David played the harp, the spirits would leave him. And he said, God is surely with him, so I'll give you a chance at this. Okay. Now, look what happens here in uh, verse 34. And David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Now, obviously, that's God. Anyone ever thought of hitting a bear? Not a good idea. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me, who delivered him? The Lord. From the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said, go and do it. Now we're going to skip down to verse 46. And this day, David says to the Goliath, he's already ran into the battlefield, and he says, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you, and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all of the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is whose? The Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now, here's the thing. David's motivation was to give God glory. When you make a decision to be courageous and face your giants and overcome them, God gets the glory. But it's not enough just to, to, to expect God to do it for you. We had this conversation yesterday at an eldership meeting, and Pastor Allison said, you know, she said, you know, I was read, reading stories in the Azusa Street Revival where people came and the presence of God would come and miracles would happen and people would just be not able to stand up. Like the, the presence of God in this revival was phenomenal. There was an atmosphere. The energy of God just blew into the place. But then she said, I read how people would leave and go home and they would fight all the way home. So the presence of God is there to give you courage and strength so you can face your giants, so that you can go in this might of yours and overcome the problems in your life. God will do it, but we have to have the courage to face it. Does this make sense to anyone today? And so, so I wanted to read this passage, this passage here out of Psalm, Psalm chapter 23. How many know the Lord is my shepherd? This is a beautiful passage because in the beginning of the story, I said that the, 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 the Philistines were on one mountain, Israel was on the other mountain, and there was a valley in between. And for 40 days, the giant would come down there into the valley and challenge David. I'm going to tell you, there's valleys in your life, and there's giants in your life that are going to challenge you. And you have to have the strength to, as David did, run into the valley, knowing that God is with you. And I believe, and I could be wrong, but Psalm 23 really speaks about when he says, the valley of the shadow of death, I think he's thinking about that moment. If I'm facing someone who's 9.9 feet tall, I'm going to say, there's the shadow of my death right there. <laughs> but I'm going to go into it. And so he starts his psalm, and I'm going to have Pastor Peter come and help me. And uh, 
Candy, if you can help me too. You just stand right here, Candy. Pastor Peter, you can stand right here. See, David was a man of the presence of God. And he, so he's telling a story. So, okay, say I'm David. This is God. And this is a friend of mine. So I'm going to tell Candy here. And I'm going to read it because I, I, I've memorized this in three translations. And that's not a good idea because you forget it all. But here it is. So look what David says. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm telling you, do you know that he's my shepherd? I'm telling her a story about the goodness of my God. See, see, David understood that just as he watched those sheep, and it was, it was his responsibility to take care of those sheep, he understood that God's responsibility was to take care of him. And so he's just telling a story. Hey, God, he is my shepherd, Candy. Did you know that? Is he your shepherd? He's my shepherd. He's telling a story. And he says here, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He's awesome. He's telling a story. He says, uh, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for, hold on a second, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil. Uh, and she's going, excuse me, hello. And he, he, he begins to talk to God. He says, sure, he says, you know, you, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What happened? He's telling a story, and all of a sudden he's talking to God. Because when you have a healthy social bubble with God, when you start talking about him, he shows up, and you can't help but praise him. You may be seated. That's awesome. And I'm saying that because when you have a healthy relationship with God, right, and, and you start talking to people about God and you get teary-eyed or you get really excited, then you know you're in a good place. You really do because what happens when you talk about him, his presence shows up. But if you can talk about God with people and, and your heart, you don't get emotional, you don't, you don't feel connected, you don't feel joy come over, you don't feel refreshing when you talk, then your social bubble is in trouble. And I want to say this, I want to say this, love is never on the table for discussion. You belong to God, you're his son, you're his daughter, you're going to heaven, he loves you. There's no, but I'm saying maybe you need to start investing more time in spending time with him, in waiting, in washing, and in worship. And you can flip that switch back because he's faithful and he's just changed tomorrow. How many hear what I'm saying this, this, this morning? God wants us to have a healthy social bubble with the Lord. All right? And then we understand David went out. He took out the giant. The rest is history. Um, but here's the thing. Maybe there are giants in your life. It could be bitterness. Uh, it could be unforgiveness. Maybe it's fear of, of having a conversation that you know you have to have. Giants of your life, it might be abandonment. It might be unemployment. It might be abuse of some type. It might be depression. Um, you know, the giant that's in front of you might be talking to you. It might be something you can see with your eyes, but you do not have to be dreadfully afraid because the Lord, your God, is with you. And the more you spend time with God, the more you become aware of his presence. Is this good news or what? And I just want to finish with this last verse here in Joshua. Joshua. <clears throat> I 
The mantle's being passed from Moses to Joshua, and the Lord gives them this great exhortation here in verse 6 all the way up um, to verse 9, and, and he basically says, be strong and courageous three times because he's with you. I'm just going to read the last verse here. He says, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And God is always with you, and when you spend time investing in waiting on God, worshiping God, and washing yourself with His Word, you become aware of His presence. And when you become aware of His presence, courage comes, and you're able to do things you'd never thought you'd be able to do because you sense that God is with you. Amen? And so why don't we stand together, and we're going to pray. Just have someone on the keys. That'd be wonderful. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your people, God. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that when your presence, when we're aware of your presence, there's rest, there's joy, there's refreshing. But Lord, I thank you. There's also courage. And God, you're raising up every person in this place, God. As your presence is with us, it gives us the courage to be like David, not to take glory and say, "Yeah, I can fix the problem." but to be able to say, the Lord shall deliver me from this issue and I'm going to step into it and I'm going to face it. And as I do, God, you will deliver us and you will set us free. Father, I pray for every person here, Lord, that this week they're going to have the strength to face maybe one of their giants. might be a small giant, but it's something that they know they need to face. God, give them the courage and strength to do it this week for you are with them. And you never leave them nor forsake them. In Jesus' name. And I'm going to leave that assignment with you. Last week I, I said if, if you could take five minutes every day and just say, God, you know, I just want to wait on you. And you worship him and you read a scripture and just take time with the Lord. Five minutes a day, every day. This week I want to say in that time of waiting on God, can you ask him, show me a giant that I can face. Show me an issue that you want me to run into the battlefield so you can get the glory. Amen? How many can do that? One other way of looking at this passage, just as I close, is David is a type of Christ. Israel was terrified because there was a giant they knew they couldn't defeat. And David came in the power of the Holy Spirit and delivered the people of Israel. Jesus came 2,000 years ago because there was a giant called sin and death. Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we can't even get to God without help. There's, there's a giant there, and, and it's going to take all of us. Every one of us are going to die and have to spend eternity separated from God unless somebody would come like David who had the courage, and it was Jesus. Jesus came when we were powerless by the power of the Holy Spirit, died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And so if you're in this place or you're watching online and you don't know that if you were to die tonight that you'd go to be with Jesus, I want you to know that he died for your sins. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. Just say, Heavenly Father, if you guys want to pray with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for dying on the cross, sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I ask that you'd forgive me and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for destroying the giant of my sins that separate me from God. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you said that prayer for the first time, 
and you believe it in your heart, the Holy Spirit will come and move in and make you a new person and change you from the inside out. Amen? Amen. God is good. Well, I want to bless you guys this week. Have an amazing week, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.